0: Chris, great to meet you, thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Sologenics, a late stage biopharma specializing in developing and commercializing products to treat rare diseases with unmet medical needs. Chris, give us a brief overview of your pipeline.
1: Sure, uh, our focus is really orphan and rare diseases, areas of unmet medical need. We really look to areas in oncology and inflammation, Uh, which we have late stage assets that are are in phase three, as well as what's I think unique about Solgenics, we have a separate public health solutions business segment that's been funded entirely by the US government today, in excess of $80 million, focused on heat stable vaccines for emerging infectious diseases, biodefense, as well as a COVID-19 vaccine. So quite a robust pipeline for a company our size.
0: Sologenics successfully completed its phase three study for Hybrite, and you're now preparing for an important FDA meeting to discuss the design of a second pivotal phase three study, Chris. And what can you tell us about the statistical significance of the results of that first phase three study?
1: Hybrite uh, is, a, is a, our late stage therapy. We focus here on a disease called cutaneous T cell lymphoma. And what we do with Hybrite is we, we apply Hybrite to the skin, and then we apply state-visible fluorescent or LED light to shrink the lesions on the skin. As you've noted, we have demonstrated statistical significance in a first Phase three clinical trial, very well received, published in JAMA Dermatology, and the FDA is now looking for a second Phase three study that we're in the process of speaking with them about uh, designing uh, and we hope that we'll have clarity on that design shortly and be able to
0: initiate that study before year end. You also have late stage assets targeting head and neck cancer, as well as Crohn's disease, plus a phase 2 a study in psoriasis that is actively enrolling patients. What can you tell us about these programs, Chris? Sure, we focus
1: on the oral mucositis and head and neck cancer, uh, as well as pediatric Crohn's disease, these are separate molecules, uh, different molecules. One is an injectable known as SGX-942 for oral mucositis and head and neck. And the other for pediatric Crohn's is an oral medication called beclomethasone dipropionate. Our research name is SGX-203. There we generated a lot of good data around both of these programs. And where these programs are right now is we are looking for additional funding, namely through partnership. So in a number of discussions with potential partners across both those programs, we'll see if uh, if we do get the, the partnership or not. You know, I don't talk about those until we actually have something signed, but uh, a lot of activity going on there. And then the program in psoriasis that you noted is an active program. This uses the same ingredient that is in the hybrid. Uh, and it's also treated the same way, applying the drug, which we call research named SGX302 for psoriasis, to the psoriasis lesions or plaques, and then the visible light shrinks those lesions or plaques. And we've already demonstrated positive proof of concept in a phase 1, 2 study in psoriasis, so we know the drug works. And uh, we are now moving to and enrolling in a phase 2A study uh, where we're looking to Just look at different ways to treat, to optimize the treatment in psoriasis. And we expect data for that study by the end
0: of the year. Chris, that is an impressively diverse array of activities your company is involved in. Tell us how large the addressable market opportunity would be for your specialized biotherapeutics business segment.
1: Across specialized biotherapeutics, approximately $2 billion uh, in in global uh, market potential. Uh, this is driven a lot by psoriasis, which is a much large, larger indication, as you would imagine, uh, uh, not only in the US but worldwide. Uh, that's in excess of 1 billion. And then the other programs we have, like hybrid and cutaneous T cell lymphoma and pediatric Crohn's disease, as well as the bio, uh, the bio defense, the public health, these are all markets that are several hundred million in global market potential each. So uh, you know, I think quite a nice, uh, nice commercialization pipeline as well moving forward if and when we get these drugs across the finish line with the FDA.
0: Chris, let's turn now to a second business segment for Soligenics, this one targeting public health solutions and it has been funded importantly primarily through government grants. Tell us more.
1: Sure. Uh, as you noted, this is funded by the government uh, in excess of 80 million dollars to date, and it really focuses on heat-stable vaccines for emerging infectious disease, biodefense. Uh, and what I think is intriguing there is everyone now is quite familiar with COVID vaccines and Pfizer and Moderna vaccines that required strict freezing for storage for distribution. Our vaccines do not require that, so we can now have we have a vaccine that we can ship. Worldwide, if need be, we have data in excess of one year that shows that we can store our vaccines in over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and they maintain their activity, zero degradation. So very important. And we are looking at these in areas like Ebola, Marburg virus, which you're hearing a lot a, a lot in the news right now, COVID-19, as well as biodefense like a ricin vaccine. So quite a lot of potential here uh, around this heat stabilized platform for the vaccines And the nice thing, as you noted, it's funded by the government, right? So that's a level of validation. Government funding and getting those grants and contracts is quite competitive. So you're competing with a lot of other academic institutions, other companies and scientists, and we've been able to have a nice level of success there in securing that funding. So that has helped us really move the programs forward in lockstep with the government but uh, also build out a more robust pipeline than you would typically see for a company our size with multiple shots on goal to mitigate risk a lot of financial portfolio. So I think a nice aspect there and also that government funding does help us manage our burn rate at times, offsetting burn and extending cash runway. So that's been very helpful for a small business like Soligenics as well.
0: Let's turn now to your management team. Of course, it's so important for any company and especially a smaller cap company. Introduce us to yourself and some of the key players on the Sologenics team.
1: Sure. Uh, As you said, quite a bit of experience uh, in developing uh, drugs across across many different therapeutic areas, Uh, many in the orphan rare disease space areas of where our focus is. And we're also complemented by a very strong board of directors with with very good experience across both business, finance, drug development. Uh, And uh, my background, I've... uh, been in this industry for over 32 years now. Uh, I started in big pharmaceutical companies in areas from manufacturing, operations, regulatory affairs, interacting with the FDA. Uh, and then ultimately went and started in small startup companies and building and growing startup companies. Co-founded one myself that uh, I had a nice exit strategy with and a success in, in advancing the program. And then ultimately joined Sologenics, tasked with building out the rare disease pipeline. So that's what I've been doing for the last 16 years and building a strong management team behind that. Many of the individuals with me now, I've worked with in previous lives and other companies and brought them along with me. So I know what they can do. I know their experience and they know what to expect from me. So we could really move things forward very quickly with uh, with expertise in different therapeutic areas, whether it's medical, clinical, regulatory project management, uh, that's really allowed us to advance the company uh, and, uh, and really be able to move the pipeline forward to where it is today. I think most notably, if we look to the board side of, of the company, uh, we had some very good experience, not only on the development of rare diseases and orphan diseases, but also on commercialization. Most notably on my board is uh, Dr. Jerry Zeldis, who was the chief medical officer for Celgene Corporation for many years before retiring. I recently uh, added uh, Dr. Tim Cote, who uh, is a regulatory expert. He was at the FDA and the office director for the Office of Orphan Products. So his focus was orphan products and rare diseases, where he worked for many years. He signed about 1,400 orphan drug applications uh, over his time. So a good regulatory presence, FDA presence and experience there. uh, on the commercialization side, Ms. Diane Parks, I added a few years ago, that spent essentially her entire career commercializing in the rare disease space in a number of very well-known companies. So again, I think we're complemented by a strong board in addition to the management team here at Soligenics.
0: Chris, I'd like you to take a moment to wrap everything up into an essential value proposition. Why should investors take an interest in Soligenics right now?
1: I think when you look, it's a combination of the risk profile and diverse pipeline, right? And, uh, and I think for us, with Hybrite already achieving success in a phase three study and statistical significance and having to essentially replicate that in a second study uh, uh, increases the probability for success uh, extremely uh, well. And I think that in and of itself is an important value proposition given where our market cap and stock price is today. But then behind that, we have a number of other programs all generated positive data in diseases that we're developing. So proof of concept is there, biological activity is there, and now it's just advancing those through the development pipeline. And as I noted, uh, with the public health, that's a nice added piece and upside or dimension to the company where you now have multiple heat-stable vaccines moving forward with government funding uh, that uh, that allows us to advance multiple programs, multiple shots on goal to mitigate risk. But I think the key, as I said, are late-stage assets that have already demonstrated statistical significance in the diseases in which they're looking to treat, and we're extending that. So I think that is an important element whenever you're looking at drug development, biotech, the companies that you're investing in is, you know. What data have they generated? Have they generated disease population that they're looking in? To what effect? And is it a clear path forward? And for us, it is because we treat rare diseases, orphan diseases, where there is not that typical competition you would see in large disease indications. And many times, we're the first or in a unique position to come to market in these particular diseases, like cutaneous T cell lymphoma.
0: It's an amazing story, Chris. Thank you for sharing it with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Some of the companies featured on this episode are Red Chip client companies, and we may own stock in these companies. So please always read our disclosures at redchip.com.